morning, everybody. I like it. I like it. This is good energy. You guys, my name is Whitney Bell. As Thomas mentioned, I'm on staff. I work with our youth, so I just kind of come with energy. So let's just get excited for today. Am I right? God's so good. Friends, we are, uh, today we're going to continue in our study of the book of Acts. We've been looking at it this summer. The book of Acts is a, a beautiful picture for us of what it looks like to be a sent people. That God does not just save us to sit on our salvation, but he has saved us and then sent us out to go and share the good news with others so that they in turn might be saved and then sent in like a domino effect the gospel reaches the nations. It's an incredible thing that God has set up, and that's what we're going to look at today. We find ourselves today in the book of Acts in a place where the disciples and the apostles in the church have found themselves facing incredible persecution. Incredible persecution. The, the Jewish leaders are fed up with the Christian movement. They're done with it, and so they are going after them. We see just a few chapters before that Stephen was stoned to death for his belief in Jesus Christ. The goal of the Jewish leaders was to decentralize the movement of Christianity, to decentralize the leadership. Their hope was if they decentralized it and they scattered them, that they would lose momentum, the movement would. So we find Philip today in the region of Samaria. Samaria is in a region north of Jerusalem. It's where the Samaritans live, and this is actually a great place for Philip to be sharing the gospel. The reason it's great is because the Jews hate the Samaritans. They won't go there. So Philip is just there sharing the gospel, and he is seeing the Spirit of God move like wildfire among the hearts of the Samaritans. Miracles are happening. People are being healed. Evil spirits are being cast out, and salvation is springing up from the ground. Incredible success. He's seeing incredible success. So that is where we find ourselves today. That's where we find Philip. Today we're going to be in chapter 8 of Acts, starting in verse 26. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk beside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? The man replied, how can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and to sit with him. The passage of scripture was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? for his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop and they went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Pray with me. Father God, we come to you uh, in this moment. 
So we are asking that your presence would be in this place. God, thanking you that you do not send out scripture and that it doesn't return us void, but you send it out and it accomplishes what you send it to do. So Spirit, we ask today that you would be at work in our hearts, challenging us, calling us, sending us. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it comes alive. Teach us today, oh Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So we find ourselves in Samaria. That's where Philip is. And Philip gets this call from God. God says, I want you to go south on the desert road towards Gaza. Now, this might seem to us like, okay, well, that seems like a reasonable request from God. What we don't know is this is actually kind of a wild thing for God to send Philip to do. And let me explain that to you. Philip is in Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. Gaza is about a 60-mile trek south. It is a 60-mile trek on a road called the Desert Road, also known as the Broken Road, also known as the Desolate Road. Sounds lovely. (laughs) Philip is sent down this road, and, and he's sent to Gaza. Gaza is one of five Philistine stronghold cities that was conquered by Alexander the Great many centuries before. No one lives there. It's a ruin. Nothing is there. Now, east of Gaza is New Gaza. It was rebuilt, and there's a ton of people there, but there's an entirely different road that leads to that city. But God didn't send Philip there. God wanted Philip to take the desolate road with nothing on it, leading to nowhere where no one lives. Now, Philip is known as Philip the, Philip the, uh, sorry, Philip the Evangelist. He's known as Philip the Deacon. Philip loves people. He loves preaching. He's been doing that and having incredible success in Samaria. And God's sending him to nowhere to no one. Okay, so that's exciting for Philip. But Philip, being ever obedient, takes that step. And it says Philip set off. So Philip takes off and he senses the Spirit of God on his heart again, telling him that he's going to come across a carriage and to walk over along that beside the carriage. Philip, being a go-getter, runs instead of walks. I like that about Philip. He runs over there, he finds, the, he finds in the carriage an Ethiopian eunuch reading scripture. A eunuch, as many of you know, is someone who's been surgically altered so they, cannot, they can no longer procreate. Eunuchs were often found in the service of queens and in the service of royalty. They were put there because since they had been surgically altered, they, they couldn't be a threat to the women. They were safe. They wouldn't sexually engage them. And this eunuch was in that exact place. He was a servant to Candace, queen of Ethiopia. Ethiopia, as we know it today, is not the Ethiopia that we find in Scripture. It is an area in northern Africa, but it is a vastly wealthy and rich region. Candace of Ethiopia is actually the most powerful person in the land. Now, she has a king, but the king in this area is considered deity. So the king is actually sent off to just be God, which is lovely for him. And and Queen Candace is the one who oversees the state. She's the one who oversees the kingdom. So God saw it fit to send Philip to intersect with someone who is the second most important person in this region in an area that has not received the gospel. Philip walks up and hears the man reading from Isaiah 53. Scripture tells us that the man had been in Jerusalem, that he had been there uh, somehow encountering the Jewish faith and was reading the scripture on his way. Isaiah 53 is a passage that is a messianic, prophetic passage. It is for all intents and purposes, an eyewitness account of the crucifixion. It just happens to take place about 800 years before the crucifixion. 
So the, Philip asked the Ethiopian, do you understand what it is you're reading? And the Ethiopian is like, no, I have no idea. What is this about? Philip then begins to share with him and say, I know exactly what this is about. I can tell you exactly who the scripture is talking about. He begins to share with him the good news of Jesus. This is, this is about Jesus, the Messiah, who has come and he's the fulfillment of the law. God is at work in the heart of the Ethiopian eunuch. His heart is turned towards Jesus. Somehow they begin talking about baptism. They come across water. Philip baptizes him. The, the eunuch is sent on his way, and an amazing thing happens is Philip is just whisked away by the Holy Spirit. I have no idea how that works, so nobody ask me about that. I'm sure Thomas can answer all questions about the Holy Spirit whisking you away. Sounds like something out of Harry Potter to me, but it's in the Bible, so it's awesome. So the eunuch is on his way. He is sent back to Africa, and for all we know, this is exactly how the gospel finds its way into a new continent, into a new region that is yet to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. This is an incredible story. It is an incredible story, and thanks be to God that Philip was obedient to go. He was obedient to take a step down the road, having no idea where it was leading, but the calling certainly did not make sense to him. Friends, as we look at this text, there's a lot that we can learn from this. There is a lot that you and I can learn from this, from Philip and his obedience. There's also a lot that we can learn about the character of God and about God's call on his people. There are many things in this text that, are, that we can see consistently all throughout Scripture when it comes to the call of God. And I wonder if today we can consider some of those things and what might be our call from God. One of the first things we see is the call of God is often inconvenient. It certainly was for Philip. Imagine, he is seeing great success. He is seeing ministry happen. He's using his giftings. And suddenly God says, I want you to go on a road to nowhere where no one is. That is a wild call. It makes no sense whatsoever. It certainly is not how Philip probably intended to spend his weekend, was on a road to nowhere, on a desert road. Friends, we should not be surprised when the call of God on our life feels inconvenient. The truth is, is God's main concern for us in our life isn't our ease or our schedule or our comfort. The, God's main focus is our hearts and our sanctification. And he has no problem plucking us out of our ho-hum lives in order to send us on kingdom work. We should not be surprised when that happens. What does it look like for us to, be, to face an inconvenient call? It can look like something as simple as you're on your way to work and you see someone on the side of the road begging, and you sense the Spirit of God at work in your heart, calling to go buy them breakfast, take it to them, and remind them of the goodness of God and that they are loved and not forgotten. That is not convenient, but my goodness, is that the call of God on all of us? We should not be surprised when the call of God feels inconvenient. We also should not be surprised when the call of God feels vague. For Philip, he was given real specific instructions. But he was not given any details. I, it's pretty clear that Philip was not a type A personality here, because I think we would have seen a litany of questions after his call. But scripture says he just goes. If, if I was Philip, I would, this is how I would want the call to go. 
hey, Philip, it's me, God. Just FYI, I need you to take the road south to Gaza, and here's why. I'm going to have you encounter an Ethiopian eunuch. I know, that sounds weird. Don't worry about it. You're going to meet him. He's going to be reading from Isaiah 53. It's going to be perfect because I'm going to set this up so you can share about Jesus, and then you're going to share about Jesus. You're going to baptize him. I'm going to whisk you away like something out of Harry Potter. You're going to go to, he's going to go to Africa, share the gospel. You'll be home by lunch. It'll be great. This is how, exactly how this is going to work. <laughs> that would be my hope if in the call from God. Unfortunately, that's just not how God works. God does not often map out exactly point A to point B, but friends, that is where you and I must learn what it looks like to trust God with the details. He may call us into something vague, and we may have no idea as to why or what. We just know we have to take that step and trust that he has gone before us. Trust that he has called us into that thing and that we can trust him with the details. Do not be surprised when the call of God is vague. I think we shouldn't be surprised when the call of God feels risky, dangerous, unsafe. It was for Philip. This road was not a road that people were going on a lot. This road was through the desert. It was hot. There was very little water. Not many people were on it. This was an unsafe call for Philip. But as we look throughout Scripture, we can see that God is in the habit of calling people into things that might be a little dangerous. I think for us in our, our Western Christianity, it's easy for us to believe that central to God's heart for us is our safety and our security and our comfort. And while that sounds wonderful, that is not biblical. God is ruthlessly after the hearts of people and after his glory, and he will not hesitate to put us in a place that might feel dangerous for the sake of the kingdom. We must trust when we sense God's call into something that feels risky or dangerous, that he has gone before us, and just as he gave Philip courage to go, God might also give us courage to go. One of my favorite examples of this is from the book The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia. The children are talking to Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, and they're hearing about Aslan. Aslan is a lion, and he is also the Jesus, Messiah character in the book. As the children are hearing about him, they hear that they're excited about Aslan, but they also are concerned because he is a lion. They ask Mr. and Mrs. Beaver, is he quite safe? Mr. and Mrs. Beaver look at each other, and they smile and say, safe? No, he is not safe, but he is good. Friends, often the call of God on our lives might not feel safe, but we must trust that it is good. It was good for Philip, and it is good for us. As we consider these three things, my question for you is, where might God be calling you? Where might God be sending you? Perhaps you've ignored that because it felt inconvenient, vague, or dangerous. I think as we hear this, we think, oh, well, this, perhaps this is just for people who are being called to go to Africa as missionaries. That's dangerous and inconvenient, and certainly this applies to that. But friends, for you and for me, the call of God can be all of these things in our very normal lives. Perhaps God is calling you to reconciliation in a broken relationship. That certainly does not feel convenient. How that is all going to play out might feel very vague and it might feel really, really risky to you. Maybe you are someone struggling with an addiction and you know you've got to finally ask for help because you can't manage it anymore. 
that is terrifying to you, how this is going to work out makes no sense to you. This certainly does not feel convenient, yet you sense the call of God down that road. Maybe you are thinking about changing jobs, moving your family, going from point A to point B, uprooting your kids from school. You can sense the call of God calling you into something new, but it's terrifying and you're not sure. What does it look like for you to take the step down that road, just as Philip did? Friends, there's a lot we can learn from Philip. He was filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with courage and filled with confidence in God that God had gone before him and called him into something that was greater than himself. It was kingdom work, and so Philip went with courage. What does it look like for you to step down that road with courage, trusting that although it might not feel safe, it is good? Let's pray. Father, we ask for courage. We ask for courage like Philip to step down a road not knowing where it will lead, not knowing how we should proceed, but trusting that you have called us. God, we ask for ears to hear your call on our lives as we live our lives as a sent people. Thank you, God, that you are dangerous, that you are ruthlessly after our hearts and that we can trust you in that. God, I pray that you would make us a dangerous people, that we would not be scared to step out trusting you. God, we love you and we praise you. We thank you for Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.